Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to a, another coronavirus episode of Buker Friendless, a subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and read me. Well, as I've said before, we are working on that. Hope to have an announcement soon. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. This is being recorded hours after the Los Angeles Lakers clinched the 17th championship in franchise history, LeBron James winning finals MVP, final score of game six, 106 to 93, the Los Angeles Lakers beating the Miami Heat four games to two. I'm going to talk a little bit about the series and game six, but I'm more interested in the bigger picture elements of what the championship means and what we discovered along the way, such as who the ring means the most to, other than obviously LeBron James winning a fourth ring in 10 trips to the NBA Finals, uh, trying to scale the list of all-time greats. As I said on FS1 at one point when the subject came up last week, the idea that this changes the GOAT conversation as in greatest of all time does nothing for that simply because Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Even if you go Bill Russell, whoever you go with, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, most people go with Michael Jordan. This doesn't change that conversation, doesn't affect that conversation because it does not put LeBron James past any one of those players, depending on what the criteria is for you putting them at the top of the mountain. He hasn't done anything that would push him past Kareem, Bill Russell, or Jordan. I'm not saying that that all three are ahead of him. I'm just saying that if you are of a mind that one of those three prior to this championship was the GOAT, then LeBron winning a fourth ring doesn't push him past any of the three. Therefore, there can't be a conversation because... 
There aren't goats, plural. There's a goat, and you either are that or you are not. So there's not a conversation to be had unless there's real grist for making a case that LeBron has surpassed surpassed one of those three guys. That can't be made off of this. I'm also the GOAT has been applied now in a multitude of ways, in a multitude of people, in a multitude of fields. And it's it's been overused. The, the phrase, I believe, has jumped the shark. I can't wait till we, we move on to the next thing. And I'm sure that we will. What I'm fascinated by, the biggest question that I want to address in this podcast is that why LeBron isn't more popular. And so we will we will finish up with that. But I want to start with obviously the breakdown of the series. I but I'll be honest, I did not watch the second half or I have yet to watch the the second half of game 6. I will later on tonight, but I at at halftime, I knew this was over. There wasn't going to be any dramatic comeback. And it was something that I suspected. I was hoping for a game 7. I was hoping to have as, squeeze as much drama as we could out of this. I thought in some ways it would actually validate the Lakers winning winning the title or this remarkable turnaround by the Miami Heat. It would be validation that Jimmy Butler, yes, is a superstar. It would be a validation that the Miami Heat and their culture and their refusal to tank in order to get better, like all of that being rewarded. I'll be perfectly honest. If I was rooting for anything, it was that because I just appreciate the way Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat in general approach their business. I admire it. I respect it. So it doesn't mean that I don't and that I'm not happy for plenty of people with the Lakers and we will get to that. But what we found even in the Miami Heat wins were that everything had to go just right for the Miami Heat. They had to get extraordinary performances from a Jimmy Butler, for example, and they had to have LeBron James or Anthony Davis be less than. They had to have Rajon Rondo be less than. They had to have things fall apart or not meet the standard on the Lakers side of the equation for the heat to overcome. And I just felt if all things were equal, if both teams brought their A game, the Miami Heat were not going to win. I didn't believe that necessarily coming into the series, but that became evident very quickly that it did. And I overestimated a couple things. Number one, Bam Adebayo. Now, the injury that he suffered in game one, the loss of Goran Dragic. Yeah, but th- those things happen. What I saw from Bam Adebayo, particularly in game six, told me that he's not ready for this. He's not yet. He had opportunities where this is game six and you're still fighting for your life. And they were daring him to shoot a 15-foot jumper. Now, I've seen him take and make that shot consistently enough. He had to start taking it and making it 
he wasn't even looking at the rim. He had no interest in taking that shot. If the shot didn't fall, okay, maybe you go to plan B. But he had to take it. He had to find out whether he could make that shot because he had to make Anthony Davis respect him at that position on the floor or he was going to continue to clog up the lane as he did. But the Lakers just playing fast and defensively were able to lock the Heat up if they were focused. And the Heat simply didn't have enough bona fide playmakers. Maybe if Goran Dragic had been 100%, that combined with what Jimmy was doing might have been enough. But as it was, they were looking to Tyler Harrow to be the second playmaker on a championship team. And that was just a little too much to ask in this circumstance. So the best team won without question. Who am I happiest for when it comes to the Lakers? Other than LeBron, obviously, because this this meant a lot. This, this shut up a lot of people, me included, when it comes to uh, his reasons for going to the Lakers. Um, my feeling, and I still is, I believe that he decided to go there primarily because that's where he wanted his kids to go to high school. That's where he wanted to live. That's where he wanted to be in proximity to his production company, wanted to be able to take uh, the Hollywood meetings when it comes to producing content. Uh, I believe all of that contributed to his decision. And But he also made good on winning a championship. He showed that he wasn't in active retirement. He got this done. And my, my hat is off to him because doing it at 35, the commitment that that required to have his body right, to come back from the shutdown and have his body right, to bring this disparate group together and make it work, all of that required a tremendous amount of energy and commitment from LeBron James. So I'm happy for him that he got this done. Four rings, balances the scales out a little bit, gives him a unique place among superstars who have won championships. The only one to say that he led teams with three different franchises to championships. That's a, that's a great notch to have in your belt. But outside of LeBron, the person that I am happiest for is Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. Think about what she's been through over the last couple of years. She lost her dad, Dr. Jerry Buss, and I know how close she was to him. I did a magazine piece on her, and it was in that that she told me that she still keeps his glasses on a bedside table in her house uh, to remind her to see the world through her dad's eyes. She had to wrest control of the team from her siblings. So basically had to go to war with the other people in her family in order to take control of the team. And now the pressure was on her to make good, to do something that she basically said they had not and could not and would not and therefore would not honor their father's reputation. In the midst of all that, Phil Jackson, who she had been dating since 1999, broke off 
their engagement. You also had, obviously, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, who I know that she was very close to. And those first two, first couple of years, with her taking over control and firing longtime GM Mitch Kupchak and her brother Jim Buss, weren't very good. 35 and 47, 37 and 45. The Laker faithful were restless. They were thinking Jeannie needs to sell the team, needs to do something, needs to, but she's not up to the task anymore than her brother Jim was. Then Magic Johnson comes in. Magic Johnson abruptly resigns as a result of turmoil between him and GM Rob Palinka, Kobe's former agent. It was a palace intrigue, and Jeannie was strangely quiet through a lot of it. I faulted her for that. When you're at the top of the food chain and things are going badly, you need to address them, you need to explain them, and you need to give people hope. And she, for the most part, did not do that. But she obviously did right the ship, steady it, and through all of this, wound up winning a championship. So I am truly, truly happy for her she has been basically a lifer when it comes to working in sports, being a female executive. She got it done, and I am, I am thrilled for her. Puts her in a completely different light with the Lakers faithful and with, I would say, everyone concerning the NBA. The other person on my list is Rajan Rondo. Rajan Rondo coming in as a rookie, winning a championship with the Boston Celtics, uh, a genius, a savant when it comes to uh, or orchestrating a team, and just a savant in general, if you've read anything about Rajan and his level of intelligence, that he would win a championship, a second championship, after basically being a carpetbagger, a journeyman through a multitude of teams, Sacramento not thinking he was good enough, New Orleans taking a pass, Dallas and here he is, and he's basically the third piece of the big three that brought this home for the Lakers. Plenty of guys contributed. You can debate whether Contavious Caldwell-Pope deserves to technically be that third piece. But for me, Rajon Rondo was the heart of making this work. If you don't have Rajon Rondo, the Lakers are not winning a championship. That's another element that I just did not anticipate uh, I wasn't certain when he was coming back or if he was coming back from the hand injury. This was the fifth hand injury that he suffered, hand surgery that he's had to undergo. And at his age, nearly 35 as well, I thought, and his history of breaking down in the postseason, I just did not have ex expectations that Rajan was going to be what he clearly demonstrated that he's capable of. He's, to me as big a reason that Anthony Davis was the factor that he was, along with Anthony Davis simply imposing his will and going up against the Bam Adebayo and uh, a variety of teams. I don't, I don't want to discount anything that Anthony Davis did. He came through. He's uh, uber-athletic and happened to play against a number of teams that played small, Denver Nuggets obviously being the one exception. So, 
Uh, happy for Anthony Davis as well. But for Rondo, I believe if there was any doubts about him being a Hall of Famer, this is going to make his, <laughs> his profile very interesting for the historians. A guy who comes in and wins a championship. A guy who then bounces around the league and then goes to the Lakers on a minimum contract. And halfway through last season, if not the season before, Lakers fans were ready to get rid of him. Please don't put him, don't put him on the playoff roster. There was a lot of that. There were a lot of doubts about Rajon Rondo before the shutdown. He answered all those. His shooting, his three-point shooting, uh, aside from everything else, his, his ability to talk defensively, to organize, uh, to orchestrate, uh, to get the ball to the right guys, to, to compose the floor on a regular basis. There are a few guys that are better at that than Rondo. But what really tells you that he's a gamer, that he loves when it gets, when the lights get brightest, was his three-point shooting. Now, the Heat, for the most part, dared him to take those shots. And I should have looked up the percentage, but I would say he damn near shot nearly 50% from three-point range, and he is not considered a three-point shooter. Although, not as bad as people think he is. Shoots over 30% career-wise, if I'm not mistaken. But postseason, it's over 40%. And he knocked down big shot after big shot. Didn't force anything but took them when they needed to be taken, took them when he was dared to take them, and for the most part, knocked them down. And that was one of the things that truly killed the Miami Heat because they were, they would design their defense in many instances, possessions, force Rondo to take a three with the shot clock winding down. The feeling is you've accomplished what you hope to accomplish and then it bites you in the ass. There's nothing more demoralizing to a defense than that. So, enough about all of that. Let's get to the, the main affair, which is why isn't LeBron James more popular? And I say that with all honesty, genuineness, because I don't feel that, first of all, I don't feel that he is. Don't mistake clicks with likability. He, he drives ratings. There's no question about that. At least social media ratings. He didn't drive these finals ratings. And he hasn't, for the most part, driven ratings when it comes to uh, the regular season for the Lakers or for the league. And I wondered why that is. Because you have a guy who's 35 who is a family man, who uh, seems to support the right causes. Yes, he's, he's outspoken. And yes, he sometimes speaks about things that he's not completely versed on. But I look across the landscape and LeBron James is rewriting the record books. LeBron James has taken a variety of different teams and carried them to the finals. LeBron is spoken highly of by a variety of teammates. So why does the general public find him more polarizing than popular? And watching these finals brought home one of the elements that I've long known is uh, 
something that informs the way fans look at athletes. Number one, we like to root for underdogs. Seabiscuit had a movie made about it, the horse, racehorse, because it was a dramatic underdog going up against War Admiral. War Admiral doesn't get the the movie made about it. Rudy, which I don't I I finally watched that for the first time the other day. What an awful movie. That is a just it's an infomercial for Notre Dame, but beyond that, it is so cheesy. My goodness. But Rudy, Hoosiers, we love underdogs. They're the ones that gather our attention and pull on our heartstrings. I believe that's what Jimmy Butler had going for him and the Miami Heat because they weren't Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. They weren't the Toronto Raptors. They were the fifth seed taking the Eastern Conference by storm. LeBron, on the other hand, has only been the underdog twice. And I believe those were the times where his popularity was greatest. Both times being in Cleveland. First time was obviously when he came into the league and when it comes to the national stage, getting past the Boston Celtics, getting past the Detroit Pistons, and ultimately uh, going up against the San Antonio Spurs. He wasn't successful, but people appreciated that he got as far as he did with what he had to go through. And then when he went back to Cleveland and wound up in the finals against the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors. Again, that's when he was at his most popular and wound up winning a championship. But other than that, not really. And has at the same time, while being the favorite, the overwhelming favorite, the odds on favorite, he has done what he did again tonight after. <laughs> after winning this fourth championship, which again is, I think, explains a little bit why it's hard for people to wrap their arms around LeBron in that he won and he talked about everybody getting their respect, Jeannie Buss getting their respect, Rob Palinka getting their respect, and give me my damn respect. LeBron has been the favorite in so many instances, whether it's fair or not, and yet always has not always, has often acted as the aggrieved, as somehow he is being treated unjustly. He brings a lot of attention to himself, and he brings a lot of critics and a lot of questions, all legitimate in my mind. He said something else after the championship that I thought was very insightful, one of the most insightful things he said about himself and I believe to be 1,000% true, which is that the 35-year-old LeBron would quit, would kick the 27-year-old LeBron's ass, would dominate him. And I believe that to be true. This LeBron James has things in his game that that LeBron James did not. That LeBron James didn't shoot with nearly the same confidence. That LeBron James didn't have the mid-range game that this LeBron James does. That LeBron James didn't like to play with his back to the basket. And while he still hasn't perfected that craft, 
He's not afraid to utilize his size and strength. And that is at the heart of why he's not more popular. Why I believe that the ratings were a dud other than when it looked like maybe the Miami Heat could pull off an upset. After those first two games, it was, it was taking the ratings down because it became clear, or at least seemed to be apparent, that it was a fait accompli that the Lakers were ultimately going to win this. And they were going to win it because, and this is what, how the game in its transformation has benefited LeBron from a winning standpoint, from a statistical standpoint, and yet from a popularity standpoint has hurt him. And that he is now, in most cases, all too often, he's the biggest, strongest player on the floor. That's not how it started with him. That certainly wasn't the case when he was in Cleveland the first time. And we saw it start to shift when he was in Miami. But since he went back to Cleveland... Since the Warriors introduced the uber small ball, that's where the league has gone. And so as a result, everybody's gone smaller. Everybody's gone with bigs that are more agile and athletic. Anthony Davises are now centers instead of bonafide power forwards who sometimes might even switch to small forward because of their skill set. I'm talking 15, 20 years ago. Seeing LeBron James bully Tyler Hero or even Jimmy Butler or Jay Crowder or Duncan Robinson, getting that switch, which is what their whole ambition was, run, pick, and roll and force Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson to guard LeBron. And now we're going to see LeBron just basically bulldoze his way to the basket. It, takes, it does take a certain amount of skill, obviously strength and size. I, I, I don't begrudge him any of that. I was glad to see him impose his physical advantage. I've always thought that he should have played that way. Thought he could have been playing this way as a 27-year-old. And he didn't. Maybe that's he's he's evolved in some ways. He's added some things to his game that allow him to do that. But in essence, against the Miami Heat, he looked across the way and there was nobody there that intimidated him. There's nobody that was going to take him out of his game. Bam Adebayo included. And because he had Anthony Davis and or Dwight Howard, then because Bam was so important in so many ways. The Heat didn't want to run the risk of getting him in foul trouble by putting him on LeBron on, a, on a, giving him a steady diet of that. So, but we don't, watching LeBron bully guys that he clearly had a physical advantage over, I just don't think that makes for entertaining TV. Uh, people don't want to see that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I believe Will Chamberlain suffered from the same issue in his day. Bigger, stronger, faster than anybody should have, have the right to be at that size. That's LeBron James. And to me, that's why for all that he's accomplished, he's not being viewed in this way. And Steph Curry is not, is not, cannot do all the things that LeBron James can do. He has to figure out a way to utilize his skills to impact the game the way he has. It takes, it takes some work. And defensively, he can't, he can't have the same impact. He's not going to shut somebody down the way LeBron James did against Jamal Murray. He'll give you an effort, and he may play good defense, but looking to Steph to lock somebody up, you're not thinking that. You just want him to hold his own. But Steph Curry is beloved. Why? Because he's kind of that underdog. He's, he's the guy, not just you know physically, stature-wise, is closer to what the average person is, but even on the court, he looks like, literally, he's the underdog. Allen Iverson, the same thing. Michael Jordan, because of the era that he played in. If he was playing now, might be a little different. But in his day, he had to get through the bad boy Pistons. He had to get past the beefy Pacers. He had all sorts of big physical teams that he, as a shooting guard, had to fight his way through. He was, as crazy as it sounds, Michael Jordan was the undersized, if not the underdog. There are some who want to attach LeBron's lack of popularity and the league's lack of popularity to the social justice stands that both of them have been very forward in making. I'm, there may be an element of that, I don't believe that's the central reason if there are people that are not tuning in. Uh, the, I mean, honestly, I felt as if it was a mistake by the players to make that the primary thing that they wanted from the league in order to play in the bubble. Because after a while, I don't know about anybody else, but I stopped seeing the slogans on the jerseys. They blended They blended in. It wasn't reminding me of anything. I, I, I don't even think the, <laughs> the Black Lives Matter was on the court during the finals. I, if it was, I didn't even see it or pay attention to it. So I'm not convinced that that is what turned people off or prompted people not to watch. I believe it was the lack of, and I hate to say this because LeBron is right again in saying that the 35-year-old LeBron is better than the 27-year-old LeBron. He's, he's a more skilled player. Uh, but there's not an artistry to his game. It is more brute strength than anything else. Yes, he's a passer but, and, and, and a great passer, but not a passer in the sense of Magic Johnson. That's what... Magic Johnson was beloved because while he was 6'9 and was far and away a, a monstrous point guard, he, there wasn't brute strength in his game. His being 6'9 allowed him to have the vision to be clever and artistic and creative uh, in the way 
I mean, Rajon Rondo for me and his passing is far more captivating than LeBron's. LeBron sets guys up. He sees the floor. But again, it's almost his his strength in order to make zip 30-foot zip passes and to whip it with one hand uh, that creates a lot of the opportunities and his willingness, obviously, to, to pass it. And maybe I'm on an island when it comes to that, but watch a highlight reel of Magic Johnson and his best passing and assists. And it's no look, manipulating the ball. I mean, it's, it is, it's a dance and it's beautiful. LeBron is beautiful in his own way, but it you put those side by side, there's really no comparison. And I say all this because honestly, I feel as if LeBron deserves to be more popular than he is. I've said it before, I probably said it in the last podcast, so much of what his lack of popularity or his polarization is by his own hand, by things that he's done and said. But even with that, look, he's a family guy. He's never been in serious trouble. He tries to do things for others. He's a good teammate. He's been, I mean, to, to put the time in and the focus in order to have the longevity that he's had, those, those are all admirable qualities. And I, I, it seems strange to say for someone who does not make him the GOAT and does not see him ever becoming the GOAT, that I believe that he deserves a little more appreciation for who he is. The problem always is, is those that have long been in his camp try to overdo it. And maybe that's part of what the where the lack of popularity comes from too, is that there's this, this grab or this need to be seen a certain way, to be uh, elevated or placed on a pedestal that... People look at and say, eh, I'm not so sure. We've seen the same with Jimmy Butler. For those who are looking at it and saying that the problems in Minnesota and Chicago and Philadelphia, obviously now because of what Jimmy did in Miami, is proof that Jimmy wasn't the problem in those places. No, not so fast. Jimmy has changed. Jimmy has approached things different in Miami than he did in those places. Jimmy came into those places feeling entitled and not understanding who he was suggesting he had entitlement over. You can say that Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were all supposed to take their games more seriously than they did or they should have listened to Jimmy because Jimmy was all about winning. But you want to lead people, you have to approach them the right way. You have to get them to buy in. You have to convince them that you can take them where they want to go. Jimmy didn't have a track record for that. Jimmy didn't have proof of that. So he couldn't walk in with that. Now, the benefit that he had in Miami is that he had people like Pat Riley, by virtue of the contract he gave him, and Eric Spolstra, and Dwayne Wade, People who did have credentials, who were saying, follow this guy. 
Give this guy a chance. We believe in him, so you should too. And then he was given a young group of players, none of whom had accomplished more than he had. And they were like, okay. <laughs> if that's what Pat and Spo and and uh, Udonis Haslam and Dwayne Wade are all saying, okay, we'll follow. I had a scout tell me that it's worked out perfectly for Jimmy in Miami. But it may have been the one place out of all 30 teams where it could have. It was a perfect fit. And it worked. But I look at what LeBron James did with Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso. And I mean, obviously he came in with the credentials. But kind of had to meet them halfway. He had to give Rajon Rondo certain amount of license he had to buck up Anthony Davis and he had to take criticism from Anthony Davis I wasn't hearing anything about Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia or Chicago or Minnesota that would suggest that he cultivated those kind of relationships there on the other hand did get that feeling did get that sense in Miami he was receptive in a way. And maybe once you get that big contract and you feel like somebody's finally put their trust in you, then you're able to do that. The one story that I'm hoping to write, because I know about his uh, background, how he got to Marquette, uh, how he came out of high school. And he was a stud, from what I understand. He was a stud high school player. And he was shocked that no one recruited him or offered him a, a, a scholarship. He ended up going to Tyler Junior College because he had no other offers. And he was a scorer. I mean, he was getting it done in high school. But there was something about the way he played or how he played that ultimately no one was interested. I want to know how much that experience, because this this time around was really the first time where he was the central figure. He was the scorer, the playmaker. He was running the whole show for the Miami Heat. Certainly in these finals and in these playoffs. And he wasn't that in Minnesota, Philadelphia, or Chicago. He came in as more of a defensive player than a scorer. So I'm really curious... I want to go back and talk to the people that saw him in high school, played with him in high school, and get from Jimmy how much this was kind of a throwback to those days for him and how much he leaned on what he did right and what maybe he did wrong back as a high school player. So once I find a place, my, my new writing home, I have a couple other writing projects going, but once I find a new writing home, that, I hope, will be one of my first pieces. So... Please look for it. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget our sponsor, Mizzen in Maine, the maker of performance sportswear, men's dress shirts and slacks. In the next podcast, I'll be joined by Hall of Famer and legend Spencer Haywood. Played for Hank Iba and Bill Russell. Played with Kareem and Magic. 
and is the reason that LeBron, Kobe, and every player in the NBA who did not spend four years in college is in the NBA now. Fascinating, fascinating conversation with Spencer. I look forward to presenting that to you. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.